Well, good morning to those of you who are worshiping over in the modern worship service. Uh, very, very happy Sunday to all of you there. If you're one of our guests who are there in the fellowship hall, we welcome you to our teaching time, our preaching time this morning. James chapter 5, if you have a copy of the Word of God, is where we're going to be. And if you are um, have been with us over the last few weeks, you know we have picked this book back up where we're simply walking sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph through this extraordinary letter which gives such practical thoughts and practical insights, practical steps of obedience. And I think this morning is no different because last week we saw where James is speaking to those of us who are planners. This week, James wants to speak to powerful people. Last week we saw where, where James wants to speak to those who uh, want to control their futures. This week we're going to see where James wants to speak to those who want to control their wealth and want to increase their wealth at the expense of other people. Last week we saw where, where James says life is incredibly short, it is frail, it is a gift of God. This week, we want to see that all God gives us by way of our money, our resources, our possessions, our things, our gifts of God, and just like our lives that are to be submitted under the control of God, so it is with our money and with our things and with our possessions. Now, the word that James speaks to the, the individuals here in James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, is a, an incredibly hard word. It's an incredibly direct word to some people who are there, and we're going to unfold that in just a second here, but we also want to understand how it affects us. Let's go to the text, take a look here, and then we'll continue to unpack this paragraph. James chapter 5, verse 1, if you have your place, if you don't, it's there on the screen. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury, in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Now, who is James speaking to here? here? Here would be the easy way out for us this morning is to say, um, I'm, I'm not like one of these guys here. Um, James is probably speaking to wealthy landowners, all right? He's speaking to, to men who were known for accumulating wealth, accumulating lands, accumulating servants, and exploiting people for the sake of getting rich. This is pretty common. And so, for some reason, James addresses these individuals 
perhaps because they are seated right there among the body of Christ. There, there are unbelievers because as you see here, James is very, very clear. Judgment is coming. You are in big trouble. You're going to suffer God's condemnation if you do not repent. This is taking you down that road. So you wealthy landowners... As you're listening to the word of God this morning, you're in trouble. And so here's the easy thing for all of us to go, whew, I'm not a wealthy landover. I get the week off this week, right? Preacher, go right ahead. Here's where we need to be careful, all right? James is perhaps also speaking and warning the believers. He perhaps is warning them because our hearts, if we admit it, get tangled up in money, in possessions, in things. And if we don't guard our hearts and guard our minds, then we, like the wealthy landowners, begin walking down a road where we're totally oblivious to God's heart for the things that he's given us. So it is a direct warning to those who are wealthy, who exploit people. I don't know if there's anybody here like that today. The Word of God is very clear to you if that's the case. And it's a warning to repent. But here's what I'm guessing. Most of us need to take heed to the Word of God this morning about attitudes that have formed and shaped in our hearts that have led to behaviors that we can begin to see some semblances of wealthy landowners in my heart and in your heart. So, thought number one this morning, right out of verses two and three. Here it is. You ready? A lifestyle of hoarding disregards an eternal perspective on people and possessions. We'll leave it up on the screen for you. A lifestyle of hoarding things totally loses sight of an eternal perspective of people and possessions. Notice there in verse 2, your riches have rotted. Your clothes are hanging up in the closet with moth holes in it. Your gold and your silver that you treasure and that you have piled up is corroding. And these things are evidences against you that you have no perspective on eternity. You have no perspective on the eternal value of people because you exploit them. You have no, you are totally oblivious to these things because this is all you're doing. You're heaping up treasure, it says there at the end of verse 3, in these very last days when you should be concerned about your lifestyle of hoarding that has totally lost sight of these things. This is, this is what they've done. They've accumulated all of these things, which in and of itself is not a good thing, but Doubly so, there can be no benefit to other people. God gives us things out of his grace, money, possessions, things. He gives them to us for his glory. He, the giver, wants us to bring him glory with the things we have. But he also does it to provide for us, but he also does it for us to provide for other people. And a lifestyle in which we hoard things, which we keep things, which we buy things, we store up things, 
becomes a lifestyle in which we lose perspective of God's view of the things that he gives us. Money and things are temporary. They quickly waste away right out of the text. We saw this this past week. Britain leaves the European Union. Did you see that? Where they voted to actually leave and exit the European Union. Did you see what happened? The headlines right after it happens is what? Markets are crashing all over the world. NASDAQ is down to its lowest since 2011. Headlines all over. Financial trouble looming ahead because of all the uncertainty. You went to bed and your 401k was doing good. You wake up and what? We're all worried about our 401k now, right? We're all worried about the markets, but it's just a reminder of how quickly the markets change. Mark Twain, you didn't know Mark Twain was this amazing financial planner, did you? Listen to what Mark Twain said, all right? October, here's good, good advice for you, all right? You financial planners here, good advice right here. October is one of the particularly dangerous months to invest in stocks, other dangerous months include July, January, September, April, November, May, March, June, December, August, and February as well. I like that. Because it quickly goes. The certainty of your riches, the certainty of your possessions, how quickly we lose sight of what's eternal. And as James is speaking here to these wealthy landowners, and he mentions the clothes. I love this line that, that one commentator, he said, he said, you might have people in this church that is hearing this letter. And you have maybe a wealthy landowner sitting up front. We, we saw that at the beginning of James. Come here and you, you sit up here. And you have a, a poor man in the back. And, and a poor man would probably only have, it says, one coat to his name. Only one. And James says to them, you, you have so many clothes hanging up in your closet that the, the moss eat holes into your clothes and you don't even, it doesn't even bother you. This morning, as, as, as folks were lining out, people were saying, um, Pastor, next time you, you, you speak on some of these things, would you um, give us fair warning because we want to wear steel-toed boots to church, all right? Here, here's one I want to share with you. Your pastor this week, the Lord has spoke to him in a way that has challenged his heart. And I'm going to share a couple of those with you. And, and I just hugged this lady this morning. She said, said Pastor, you were speaking to me this morning. And I, and I looked at her and I just said, I want you to know the Lord's speaking to me too, okay? So I want you to know the Lord's speaking to me. But here's how this works. You ready? When I come in and out of my closet, Oh, my goodness. There's a, lot, there's a lot of clothes in there that I have not worn in a long, long time. So when I read a text like this, you want some practical application here? Go and see whether you have a lifestyle of hoarding when it comes to your clothes. I walk in there, and, and I come out with all of these clothes. Sheree must have thought, what in the world are you doing in there? I come out with this huge pile of clothes. I was like, come on, kids, we're going to Miracle Hill. I just had all these clothes piled up. I, I had stuff from when I worked back in Washington. I had stuff that looked absolutely ridiculous, and I wore one time. I had stuff that's out of style. You ready for this? I found pants. I found a, a shirt. The tag is still on it, and I've never worn it. Anyone like that? No one say anything, all right? And I'm like, Lord, 
have I lost perspective here? I mean, as simple as just clothes. But a lifestyle of hoarding, a lifestyle where we consume and a lifestyle where we take in and a lifestyle of where I jump to the next thing, whatever it is, if we are driven by that lifestyle, James says, listen, you've lost eternal perspective. You've lost a sense of contentment in what God has provided for you. You're, you're, you're so oblivious. You're so concerned about yourself, you've lost the grace of God that has come to you to cause you to be content so that you can then be generous with other people. And so just factor in clothes or factor in technology or factor in whatever it is you want to put in there and you've stored it up and you've invested in it and that's your lifestyle and think about Think about how much God could do with what you have stored up on behalf of other people. Our souls are made for eternity. Our lives are made to have great impact on the lives of others for eternity. And one way that God wants us to have impact is if we take what he has given and we give generously to other people. Hoarding. I love what uh, one writer said here from the Life Application Bible Commentary about hoarding. It says this, this is what hoarding is. It is security apart from God. There's some sense that because we have all this stuff, we're secure. There's superiority over others. Because I have what it is I have that gives me a leg up on others. It's selfish, it's for me only. It's short-sighted, it's for today only. And then it causes me to spend impulsively. So true. If you have no eternal perspective, you have no sense of your lifestyle, you have no sense of what it means to be content and to give generously, then you're just naturally going to spend and you're going to spend on yourself. A lifestyle of hoarding means we've lost perspective. Here's the second thing. A lifestyle of injustice disregards the heart of God for the lowly. Verse 4. After James says, you, you, you wealthy landowners... You hoarders, you're exploiting other people, but now you're in real trouble. Verse 4, behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. Look again, verse 6, you have condemned, you have murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. So here's probably what is going on here. Do you have these wealthy landowners who have accumulated farms, have accumulated workers, and their lands and their holdings have been increased, so they bring in these workers. And at the end of the day, the workers are to receive their wages. Deuteronomy 24 in the Old Covenant says this. Moses is given the law, and he says to the people, all right, so if you have land and you bring in someone, whether it's a Jewish brother, whether it's someone from another land, a foreigner, and you bring them into your land to work, when the sun goes down, you are to pay that individual. Thus, when you hear Jesus say, Lord, give us this day, what, our daily bread? It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? These people are so dependent upon the wages that the landowners would give them at the end of the day that today's wages meant tomorrow's food. Now, we don't live like that today. But what is happening is these unjust landowners are keeping it back. They're defrauding them. 
And any credit that these folks might have, they can't pay uh, what they owe, and so therefore many of them would be thrown in prison. Many of them would be exploited by being imprisoned or their families imprisoned. Some of them would lose their lives because they wouldn't be paid money. They couldn't eat. So maybe that's the literal definition of verse 6, that some of them were being murdered. But here's the bottom line. There was a sense of superiority on the part of the wealthy landowners that they could treat the people who were poor and lowly underneath them. They could treat them in an unjust way. And God says, when you live a lifestyle of injustice, you disregard my heart for lowly people, for poor people. You disregard my heart for people who are not like you. And we see the, 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 in the old covenant, we see God speaking this into the, into the people, those who are poor, those who are dependent upon work. You, you need to treat them well. You need to treat them fairly. You need to treat them generously because this is my heart for them. God has a special place. Read it. In the old covenant, he has a special place for those who are dependent solely upon him. And so what is happening here when these workers aren't paid, they're being thrown in prison, they're hungry, they can't eat, they don't know how to make their way through the culture, they cry out to God, and God said, this is serious now, God says to those landowners sitting there in those churches, listen, I don't like what you're doing. The Lord of hosts hears how you're treating people unjustly and it's serious business. The Lord of hosts, it was a term that meant the sovereign God that controls all of the spiritual armies and he is ready to call them down on behalf of those who cry out and you wealthy landowners can't hear them and you don't care because you're exploiting them. You don't have my heart for them, but I do, I do, and I'm going to hear and you're in trouble as long as you do not repent from being unjust with other people. Serious stuff. Now, here, here's where it hits home for me, all right? Do I have that kind of attitude? So this past week, we are, are getting our trim painted on our house. Needed to be done, and so Shri looked for painters to come in, and we called them in, and they've been working over the last few days. There are ladders all over the house, and they're, they're doing a great job. It looks good, and just and, and getting to meet some of these guys, but they're all Hispanic, and, and one is from Honduras, and I think a, a couple of them might be from Honduras. One might be from Mexico. They're, they're, they're really friendly guys, but, but here's what happens, all right? Here, here's the attitude of the heart. This is how it can get away from you, okay? Here's how we can get a little bit loose when it comes to other people and the image of God in other people. Because this is, this is the center of why we treat people with compassion, of all, whether they're poor, whether they're, they're foreigners, whatever. This is why the image of God in them, they are made in the same image of God that you are and the heart of God for, for people who are needy. So here are these guys, and they're working all week. And so I come home one day after work, and, 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 I, and frankly, I, I just start to complain. Shree, the ladders are, are in the yard, <laughs> and, and I'm walking around picking up trash that they haven't picked up. And, and, and I'm looking at, at the way that they're, they're, they're treating my stuff, right? <laughs> they're treating my stuff. They're, they're not cleaning, cleaning up like I want them to. 
Hey, hey, Shree, did you know that um, these guys are eating their food and they're just throwing it on the side there and ants are getting all over our stuff? This is what I'm saying. Can you believe this? got so bad that, that finally I, I didn't say anything to them directly, but I took a, a trash bag and I put it right in the middle where they would see it. This is where you're supposed to put your stuff, right? Put it on the trash can. Put your, put your, and I'm out there grumbling at night, middle 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night, picking up stuff. But over time, here's where I, I sensed my heart, and, and I heard my wife saying to someone the other day, and I thought, oh, me. She said, yeah, um, the workers are great. It looks really, really good, and they're taking their time, and it's hard work. Now, Paul has some issues with them. <laughs> and she wasn't trying to get, get, get her husband, but she, I, I was grumbling all week about them. And I read this verse, and the Holy Spirit says, you wealthy landowner, you think you're superior to them because they don't treat your stuff like you want it to be treated. You see how your heart can get away from you? You see how your heart can begin to form an attitude that says, you're inferior to me. So I'm going to treat them differently. Be careful of the word them. <laughs> Instead, I should love them. The choir sang a song this morning in our first hour. Great song. I'm beautiful. That's how mercy saw me. Do we see people as beautiful? Because of the mercy and grace of God? Because here's the deal. We, we sing about the grace and mercy of God in both rooms. But that mercy and grace gets bottled up if it doesn't flow out to those that God loves. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the correction. <laughs> Thank you for seeing all people in the image of God. Thank you for the compassion that you gave me, and so therefore... Quit grumbling, quit complaining, and love. Man, great word from, from James this morning. Third thing, last point this morning. A lifestyle of indulgence reveals an appetite solely for my own passions. Verse 5 says this, You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence, and you have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Here's the picture where James is telling these guys, listen, um, here's how God sees you, okay? You're like cows, and you're out there chewing your cud, and you're just gobbling it up as much as you can get it, but you don't know that the more and more that you consume, the more and more it reveals to me that you have no idea that all you care about is your own passion. You're like a cow. All you're concerned about is chewing, 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 but there's going to be a day when you're, when you're going to be taken to the slaughter. And, and, and here's a word for all of us this morning, the attitude, are we so self-indulgent as a people, like these wealthy landowners, singularly focused on their own profits at the expense of everybody else? Are we solely concerned about our own passions that nothing else comes into view? What an incredible warning this morning about 
contentment and generosity, contentment in our lifestyle, being generous with other people when it comes to our appetites and our own passions. Here's another example this week where your pastor gets hit between the eyes. I leave the office and, and I'm, I'm going to drive by Five Guys, pick up stuff. Sheree says, hey, can you just grab something? We're going to gra- grab something for the kids. And so I pull into Five Guys right over here and, and, and I call it in and I get there and, and I look into the bag and there's our fries, all right? And, and, and here is my first instinct. Ready? I don't know how many times this has happened. My first instinct is, wow, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten in a while. Wow, my kids eat a lot of French fries. That's not enough French fries. So here's what I do. I look at the guy, and I look in the bag, and I go, tell me about that other large size over there, right? Can can you get, and I stopped, and I said, hold it, hold it. I, I just got done studying to preach to you about contentment and self-indulgence. How in the world can I do this? So I said, nope, nope, I'm going to be content. And it's simple. It's simple. But when you look at everything that you own, everything that God has given you that you own, do you see it through the lens of satisfying you and your own passions? Or do you see it through the lens of being content and being generous and compassionate? Scriptures are clear. Let me end with two passages this morning from the Word of God. Here's what Paul wrote to Timothy. He says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That's exactly what Brother James is saying here. For the love of of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And let me end with this, with Jesus. Jesus tells some great stories. And he gets done telling the story to a man who came, I mentioned this last week, to a man who came to him and said, my brother and I were fighting over our inheritance. And Jesus says, here's a story for you. A man came. And he said, I see my barns that are full. I'm going to tear down the barns and build bigger barns so that I can store, hoard everything I have. And then I'm going to sit back and I'm going to say to my soul, soul, eat, drink, and be merry. And then God says to him, okay, um, wealthy landowner, um, your soul this evening is going to be required of you. And Jesus says, so is the one who lays up treasures for himself. The one who hoards for himself is not rich towards God. But then he pauses and he moves down just a little bit further and he says this. Listen, listen, here's the, here's the prescription is contentment. The prescription is content. Are we content with what we have so that we can be gracious with other people? Listen to what Jesus says. He says, he follows this up. Fear not then, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
So some of them are wondering, okay, if I store up treasure in heaven, if I give to other people, if I give for the expansion of your work, if I share with my neighbor, if I take care of the needy and the poor, if I am as generous with others as I am with myself, what's going to happen to me? Am I eventually going to run out? And Jesus says to them, no, 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 no. He's going to take care of you. He says, don't be afraid, little flock. For your father wants to give you the kingdom. So here's what he says. Sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth can destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Only the gospel. Only Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection and his words, only the gospel can mark us as content with what we have, content with who we are. That God, you have given me great grace. You have forgiven my sin. You have, you have given freely of your blessings to me, just not materially, but spiritually. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the king of the universe. You have lavished out your riches upon me. And if that is my position, how can I then not be content with who I am and gracious with what I own? So give. Give. Give to the kingdom. Give to those in need. Give to this body. For we will all be measured one day by the money and things that we possess. Let's pray about that right now. Father, will you, in your gentle way, but clear, speak, speak to your people, those that love you, those that are here to worship you, those that give to you, will you speak to us as a body, and however you want to work in hearts this morning, we Simply say, as James says, if the Lord wills, and we declare it, Lord, will you, will you direct and lead us and show us the sin in our heart? Will you show us the correction that needs to be made, the repentance of our sin, the repentance of the attitude, the repentance of, a, of the actions that would displease you, that would cause us to walk down a path that you condemn, but you have given us warning. It is grace to hear the hard, hard word this morning. It has been your grace to hear the hard word in my heart this week. Thank you. And now may I take that grace and as an act of response to you, live differently. Not out of guilt, but out of love for the way you've treated me. Lord, thank you for the word of God this morning. Thank you for your people. 
Would you continue to speak to them? And the one Father who is here, who is apart from Christ, Lord, I pray. I pray that they would sense your love, that they would sense your incredible mercy through Christ who died for them, that they would no longer be apart on the outside, but on the inside of the family because of their response to you. Speak to that heart. So, Lord, hear our prayer. We humble ourselves before you, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.